Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. I am going to be a bit of a fangirl today because our guest is Natalie Bullen, a sales and pricing expert who is on a mission to create more impact-driven, well-capitalized businesses. As the founder of Unapologetic Wealth, she has a proven track record of success and has coached over 300 clients since 2021. Welcome. I'm so excited that you are here and this conversation. I know so many people in my audience are going to love this episode. I am honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about your story, kind of what you do, what was the driving force behind you kind of helping other business owners with this, with wealth and building wealth. Hmm. Okay. That's a good question. I am a very accidental entrepreneur. I had absolutely no intention of starting a business at all, but I was doing financial literacy out in the schools and churches, and then the world stopped with COVID, and I couldn't do my financial literacy anymore. Our job basically laid us off. I got fired from my part-time job. Yes, I was working two jobs with an MBA, And I used my second job to pay my $1,200 student loan payment. So my brain was like, this is really bad. Like, I need to fill my time. And I also need to fill my bank account. And I also need to fill my cup with my community involvement. And so I started getting really active on social media. I started putting out on Clubhouse and putting out on Facebook. And I got people begging me to coach them. And I said, well... I'll just do what I'm used to doing by trade. I worked in banking. I'll be a money coach. And I help people with budgeting and savings. And I was bored to tears. And I ran a workshop and the workshop was going to be on retirement accounts for entrepreneurs. I was going to talk about IRAs, um, SEP IRA, traditional, raw, things like that. I couldn't get anyone to register for it. Not a single soul. And I thought it was very strange. And so I reached out to some people who had said they were interested and said, hey, why didn't you register? And every single person said, Natalie, I don't have any money to fund my retirement. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're an entrepreneur. You work for yourself. Why would you not have money to fund your retirement? Why would you quit a six-figure job with a 4 or 6% 401k match to be an entrepreneur and be too broke to contribute to your retirement account? Like, not even in a mean way. Like, I was legitimately confused. Like, how does that happen? And that's when it dawned to me. People need more money (laughs) and they needed to sell themselves and their offers more. Just so happens I have long sales background. I did outbound sales for Verizon and I did inbound sales for DirecTV. And I've been a telemarketer and all kinds of unsavory stuff. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to teach people how to sell. And it has just been up from there. I'm really incredibly blessed and surprised every single day. I saw that on your about page, um, the call center. And I was like, oh, I can relate to that because I did 
sales slash technical support for Sears Canada and oh. also Hewlett Packard. And I was a terrible I for Sears. I was a terrible salesperson. <laughs> I was terrible at Sears. I lied to get a job. The guy was like, How handy are you? And I was like, Oh, I'm super handy because I worked for Sears, like the the parts center. So when you would call mm-hmm. in and you needed like a part for your lawnmower or your washing machine and I had to read a schematic and so I just told him I knew how to do it I didn't know how to do any of that stuff (laughs) but I needed a job really bad and so I learned I learned how Mm -hmm. to read a schematic and I learned how to get people to take their own machinery apart and give me really good specific examples of what part they needed and I kept that job so you know, sometimes you just have you to gotta do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. But like, I think that prepped me for entrepreneurship because I hear a lot of people go, I'm not good at sales, but they're not actively doing anything to change that. Like they're not in a sales training. They're not reading sales books. They're not booking sales calls. So it's like, well, if you suck at it now, you're going to suck at it in five years if you don't start mm-hmm. doing something to change that, you know? Yeah, that's it's and it's so true. Like a foundational skill of being an entrepreneur is sales. Like until you have the money to then have a sales team who can do it for you, you still need to know how to do it at the start to get to that point. Agreed. And I don't know why people think they're going to be able to run a business without it. It's so interesting. People think I'm good at this thing. I have a skill. I'm an accountant. I have a skill in taxes. I'm an attorney. I have a skill in interpreting the law. And th- so that means that I can sustain my business with my skill. And it's untrue. You have to be able to sell people into your offers or you won't stay in business, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I loved what you said about when you touched on like budgeting, because I pulled a quote actually from your website and put it in my notepad so I could remember it. Um, and when I saw this on your website, I was like, it just kind of hit me in a different way than anything else I've heard about budgeting. And it was... You said you can't budget your way out of poverty. That is amazing quote. Like, And you can't. You can't budget <laughs> your way out of middle classness either. You cannot do it. It's impossible. All of, A budget is giving every dollar a job. So if you make $5,000 a month and you say 925 of you have the job of keeping a roof over my head, 600 of you have the job of keeping an, an automobile paid for and insured, 300 of you pay for my food for the week. It's just giving every dollar a job. That's it. It doesn't create more dollars though. Mm -hmm. So if you have no disposable income, if your bills are 5,000 and your income is 5,000, budgeting where you want the 5,000 to go doesn't do anything for you. We know where it goes to bills. What you really need is six or seven or eight or nine or $10,000. That's the solution. Now, Does that mean throw all your money away and don't budget at all and don't have a plan? No. But if your goal is wealth, you'll have to do something different. Wealthy people do not focus on budgeting. Go talk to a person that's worth $10 million. Ask them how much of their day do they spend working on their budget. It's zero. Mm -hmm. They focus their efforts on spending in alignment with their goals and creating more money and buying assets with it. And if you want to become wealthy, you got to do what wealthy people do. And wealthy people are not following Dave Ramsey's plan. They're just not doing it. And I realized early on that the current financial system is a scam. I did everything right. I went to college on scholarship. I got an MBA. 
I, I worked two, three jobs, and then I lost my job. I got sick. I went through a bad breakup and ended up filing personal bankruptcy. I'd never even been on vacation. Like, I did everything right. The financial system, as it set up, completely failed me. And it wasn't because I didn't do the things. I did all the things. And still, as soon as there was one little blip of downturn, I was done for. You know why? Because I had a very low income. I think I was making 33000 a year when I filed bankruptcy. I had nowhere to turn because I was poor. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And so if you're an entrepreneur, you've got a unique opportunity to have unlimited earning potential. And I would love for women to spend more time tapping into their unlimited earning potential instead of undercharging, underpricing, trying to drag people to success and trying to avoid learning how to sell when that is an integral part to that income that frankly, we all want more of. We just don't want to admit it out loud. This is going to be so powerful for so many people. And what you just said there, I have to ask this. It's kind of personally for me, but I know everyone's going to get something out of this too. So for me, I've always struggled with a balance because I've always kind of had a value of like accessibility in a way that I'm like, not charging too much. But then I I also know that, you know, I have value and I'm worth more. But it's always been hard for me to find that kind of like middle ground or like figure out how that fits into my business and my prices and my offers. This is a great question. And I think this will be really good for listeners. So do you mind if I ask you a question in return? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. What is the outcome that your signature offer gives people? I feel like the outcome is a more sustainable and less energy draining business model. Because they're introverts right now. They're burnt out. They're overwhelmed. They're like doing too many things. And through the my signature program, which is called the Society or Quiet Success Society, they get access to everything I've ever created. They get weekly calls with me and we really fine tune what they're doing in their business and make it work for them. So it's really about making their business feel better in a way so that they can stop doing so many things, throwing spaghetti at the wall. And I know there's like such huge value in that. And I'm like, I know I could be charging like five times what I am right now. But I hear from a lot of my the people who I feel like really need it that they're not in the place where they can afford more right, than that. More than that. Well, I think here's the thing too. You can't do everything for everybody at the same time in the same program. So there are phases of business. I would say that your clients sound like they're either phase one or phase two to me. Phase one, I feel like is ideation. You've got an idea, you've launched it, maybe you've never sold it. And then I think phase two is people who are around six figures or approaching six figures. It's inconsistent, though. They're selling. You're just not selling all the time. That level of person that's making below 10K a month probably isn't going to pay you $50,000 for coaching. They don't have it. But like what serves the next level entrepreneur, like a person that's doing high six figures like me? I don't want to get in a group program and meet when the weekly calls are. I'm busy. Like. I'll pay you $50,000, but it's going to have to be customized or bespoke, have some kind of done for you component and be one on one. The answer usually is create an offer for people at this phase 
and create a separate offer for people at the higher phase instead of trying to make one offer and get basically kindergartners and college students in the same classroom. That's what most people try to do. They're trying to sell to everybody at every phase. Oh, this helps people at $2,000 a month. This helps people at $20,000 a month. No, it doesn't. It shouldn't. It can't, right? And I think, too, we build the wrong way. So I'm a high-ticket sales coach. I advise people to start with their signature. To me, your signature is $10,000 plus. So if it's less than 10 k to me, that is not a signature offer. It might be an offer that you like to sell. It might be a, a, a scalable offer for you, but it's not the signature. Start with your signature. Then get an upsell going. So who is out there that could pay you 50 k or 100 k What kind of business would it make sense for them to pay a marketing strategist 100 k Like what kind of ROI would they have to get for it to make sense? Then work the downsell. Most women do it backwards. They spend all their time working on the free stuff. Then they spend a ton of time working on the $27 stuff. Then they spend a ton of time working on the $500 or $1,000 stuff. And they can't get enough traction to ever make enough money to build the next thing. And then they get on the phone with me and tell me no one has any money. It's not that no one has any money. It's that you don't sell an offer that benefits people with money. People with money usually don't have time. So like when you look at lower level offers for like the masses, before I had clients, I had lots of free time. So I could meet with you two times a week. I could show up to office hours for three hours. I could watch seven modules with eight lessons each. I had time. Now I don't have time. And so the way that you sell to people who have time but don't have money it's very different than the way you sell to people with money who don't have time. So for you, I wouldn't say, oh, maybe you should double or triple or quadruple your price. It would be maybe you should create an offer for people who have the budget to pay double or triple or quadruple the price. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you're making me think too, like my my signature done for you offer is a marketing director retainer and... Like for one example, for one client, like one month in the past few months, we did like 10 different projects, um, including planning, mapping out. I did all the implementation, all the copy, all everything and created and launched like five or six new offers, group programs and things in a month. (laughs) So I know I'm undercharging for that. (laughs) Um, Does that still exist? It does. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, and it's only 5,000 a month. These people would charge you that just for the copy. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I said at the beginning before we hit record, like some of your Facebook posts are in, very intimidating to me. And that's because I know that I'm. Well, because you're spending your money. That's the problem. You're spending mm-hmm. your money, not other people's money. $5,000 yeah. feels like a lot of money for you. So when you sell it, it feels like a you're selling it as though it's a lot of money. But like mm-hmm. a company that's doing 100K a month, $5,000 is not a lot of money. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good point. Yeah. Not a lot of money. So like there's two detachments I would encourage listeners to make. One, you've got to detach your self-worth from your net worth. You mentioned earlier that you have worth. Your worth has absolutely nothing to do with this. Like, it's important. I want you to have high self-worth and high self-esteem and high self-confidence. It ain't got a doggone thing to do with the service or the price of the service, though. So, like, 
that has to get detached. And I think also the idea of what money does for people. So like, do you agree with the statement that money makes you feel safe? Yes. That makes it hard to sell because for you, if money means safety, then when you take money from other people by asking for it in sales, you're making them unsafe, right? You're making them less safe. That's why it's hard for you to say it's 5,000 a month or it's a thousand a month for my group program, because in your mind, that's taking money away from them that they need in order to feel safe. You've become a villain in the story. You have reduced their safety, their ability to weather an economic downturn, their ability to not have to file bankruptcy, the things that could happen to them because they gave you money. Now you've taken that on. What if you started to see money as neutral? It's just a tool. For instance, how do you feel about a hammer? Do you have a strong emotional feeling one way or the other? No. No, because you're not building a house right now. You're not building anything. But if you were stranded on a desert island and the only way you could get off it was to build your own boat, I bet you you would really, really want that hammer. Mm -hmm. You'd probably be begging desperately, digging through the sand. If I told you somewhere on this island I had hidden a hammer, you'd spend your last dying breath trying to get to it. It's a tool, though. It's useful in the moment. Money means nothing if you can't do something with it. So we've, we've built an attachment to money instead of an attachment to what money can do for us. Currency is useless. If I lock you in your house with $10 million, you'll starve to death. <laughs> you can't eat the money. Money can't be your friend. It can't be your husband. It can't be your children. It can't give you fulfillment. The only thing money does is give you the options to purchase things that can do the fulfillment for you. How would you go into sales if you believe that people are better off with less money and less problems? Like they are giving you the money so that they can get rid of their problem. Oh my gosh. Like I love this so much. And what you said about like feeling safe, making money makes you feel safe. Like, I also feel that way, I think, because when um, like somebody pays me money for like my 5K retainer or my group program, I'm like, I feel like I have to like really show up. Like they've given me this money. I really have to like, I probably like take on too much accountability for the people Absolutely. I'm working with. <laughs> and that hurts them. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying it because I've done it. It hurts them. Because now you've become their mom and not their coach. And now you're around seeing what they post on Facebook and you're in the DMs going, I wouldn't have said that. And you're adding office hours and, you know, extra lessons and modules and courses and classes and bonuses. You might be thinking about discounting it on Black Friday so that even more people can gain access to this thing that they desperately need. You want success for your people more than they do because you're so worried that someone is going to feel like they didn't get their money's worth. And if they don't get a result, they're going to want their money back. And you've taken all the, the burden, the responsibility of getting the result. Well, if you have all the burden of getting the result, what burden do they have? What are your clients doing while you're out trying to guarantee them a result? I guarantee you there's someone in your program right now who ain't done shit all year. Mm -hmm. nothing 
because they realize they don't have to. Everybody knows that like spoiled kid who's like a brat, but their mom loves them and they have enough money to solve their problems. We all, you're thinking of a kid right now. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I went yep. to school with a kid like this. <laughs> you breed a clientele of that kid when you do too much. People need to accept you're a business and marketing coach. You're not a genie. You don't have a Midas touch. They're going to have to show up. They're going to have to be visible. They're going to have to watch the videos, give you feedback. They're going to have to be kind to people. Their offer has to have value. Their website has to be clean and streamlined. Their copy needs to be clear. Their messaging needs to be pierced the hearts of their listeners. And you can't do every single thing for them. Entrepreneurship is a journey of self-discovery. We can't let people leapfrog the journey because they gave us some money. And when we get too attached to the outcome, when we say this money is so important, it's so much money that I can't let them fail, we are all but guaranteeing that they will fail because they don't have to have the tenacity that's required to keep this thing going. That's so true. (laughs) They don't have to. We take on all of that for them. And it sucks for both parties. You burn out and they never get better. Mm -hmm. I also am a firm believer that people will rise to the level that you require of them. If you would have said, Natalie, I am not going to allow you on my podcast without filling out my 12 question questionnaire. I'm either going to rise to the level of your requirement or I'm not going to be on your podcast. Right. But when Mm -hmm. we put money out in front, we say, well, if you don't have the money, then you can't get in my program. But wait, if you pay me, I'll put everything in the program you ever need. But wait, I'll take all the accountability of your success. But wait, if you don't get results, I'll give you all your money back. So that person never gets the account. They never understand what it actually takes to be successful. Because me and you both know the risk is on the owner. We take on all the onus. And so no one can actually remove that from us. You can't actually make their businesses less risky. And that's what I was attempting to do in my money mindset saga. I was attempting to reduce the risk of my clients. But the truth is being in business is inherently risky. Better they recognize that early with a lower risk investment than not. And if you raised your prices, there are people who would rise to your level. My very first coaching program was 10000 I paid in full. I was making $35,000 a year at my job. My business didn't exist yet. I took $10,000 out of my personal savings and paid a coaching program. So it's just complete BS that people won't spend money or that they won't spend more money than they've earned. And you know what else? I had no expectation that this program was going to dramatically change my life. Like all I was expecting was a transference of skill. I wanted to learn something and I learned it. That's it. But money mindset trips people up because we really start thinking if people don't get success. And like, I'll be honest with you, you coach a demographic that like, is already a little fearful. I get it. You're an introvert. You put something out there. What if you get rejected, right? Most of my clients are not only introverts, but they're also shy. Over half of my clients report social anxiety. I'm all of the above. (laughs) Over 60% of my clients are neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. Almost every client I have has ADHD and rejection sensitivity disorder. 
Most of my clients are on the autism spectrum. I am pretty much the only neurotypical person in my business. And so I know if I make it too easy on my clients that they can't grow. So I can't use those things as an excuse and go, well, my clients can't accept rejection. So let me create a rejection-free program for them. Let me do their sales calls for them. Let me tell them exactly what to say. And let me reduce all of the discomfort for my client. Because what happens when you leave me? You can't run your business anymore because I've literally removed all of the hardship. It's Mm -hmm. important to allow your clients the space to fail and learn and grow that you learn from failure. I am such a failure. I fail all the time. Every week, something doesn't work out that I really hoped had worked out. But that is what makes me resilient enough to keep going. If I had had a coach or a practitioner who had taken it upon themselves to reduce all of the risk in my business, I would have quit a long time ago because chargebacks happen, unhappy clients happen. Everyone's not going to get a result in your program. It sucks. It, It makes you uncomfortable, but it happens. And like, I've had people buy Voxer not show up for weeks, Mm -hmm. and then still want a refund in the end. Like you can't please everyone, but at least I can please myself. And Mm -hmm. when I look at my P&L at the end of the year, I'm going to be damn pleased. So Mm -hmm. I vote instead of being a people pleaser, I'm going to be a Natalie pleaser. So like what would make you happy? I would build the business around that, not what makes my clients comfortable or what can my clients afford? Because that same client that's trying to pretend like they can't pay you more is driving a damn Range Rover and carrying a Louis Vuitton purse. (laughs) I promise you, it's about value. And you'd be surprised what people will come up with when they really, really want a result. Not to mention, I'm really bitchy when I'm broke. I'm just going to be honest with you. If I'm not financially stable, I am not someone you want to learn from. So to me, it is high priority in the best interest of my client for me to be financially fulfilled because the way that I show up in the world when I am not financially fulfilled is not someone that you would consider a role model. All right, I'm going to shut up now. I'm off my soapbox. No, I love this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to like, I need to book a one-on-one with you. (laughs) It's awesome. I do consults. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm resonating with everything you're saying so, so hard. And like every, I think every sentence I'm like coming up with a new, like, oh yeah. Like I, at one time I was doing like a month of Voxer support and coaching. And I had one person who signed up, paid. I kept like following up continuously or like sending like, hey, check in messages. Like, can I help you? And they never used it. (laughs) I'm like, and you're like, great. I was super concerned. And like my month of Voxer wasn't cheap. I think it was a thousand bucks. Maybe it was $1,500. I don't know what it was. It wasn't a small amount of money. She just Mm -hmm. like didn't care. But that's because her money meant more to me than it meant to her. That is why pricing is so integral in your business, because you got to create a homeostasis. You got to charge enough to where people show up and do the work. I used to, I was on Clubhouse. I did a Clubhouse room with Myron Golden, multi, multi-millionaire. He was in the crowd and somebody DM me and was like, oh my God, Myron Golden is in your Clubhouse room. And so I pulled him up on stage 
And at the time, his three coaching programs were $55,000, $155,000, and $1 million. Those are individual prices B to C. Those are not corporate prices. Those are one individual price, okay? And when I ask him about his pricing, because, I mean, let's face it, that's astronomical for most. Most people have a hard time charging $5,500, charging $55,000 as, like, the cheapest coaching mm-hmm. you offer. That's, like, crazy for most people. He said, I charge people too much money to not do the work. He was like, I charge people. He was like, you know how you, you hear in these coaching spaces how people will pay you and then they'll go listen to someone else? I charge people too much money for them to listen to someone else. He's like, my clients don't seek outside guidance. They don't not show up. They don't no call, no show. I charge people so much money that this has to work out. They are literally all in. I thought that was so novel. Mm-hmm. I was so intrigued by the idea of that because most of the time women are trying to charge the smallest amount that they can in alignment with their conscience mm-hmm. because they don't want to have to go all in on like, can this work for people? A good thing that I have embodied is, Natalie, if you only got paid, if the client did the work and got a result, would you take this person into your program? If the answer is no, I won't take you. A lot of us take people who need us, not people who we deserve, desire, or who want to support. Mm-hmm. We're basically running like not a charity, but a halfway house of sorts. Like we feel bad that people aren't doing the marketing or the selling. We want to help them. We want to help everybody. We're a nurturer. We're a mom and we're a lover and we're a friend. And we open our doors to these kind of stray cats. And some of them do great work. Like I have clients, even when I was undercharging, who were excellent. But most of the clients who came in when I was charging $2,500 a month for coaching have either quit coaching, quit their business altogether, or who dropped out of the program. Like I did not have good success rates at low prices. And the only thing that changed was the price. I didn't change, but the posture Mm -hmm. of my clients changed. And now People pay me enough money to be very, very serious. And it is night and day. And so when people tell me it's really hard in their business right now, I'm like, if you you raise your prices, it'd probably be easier. Because people who are half-ass won't pay high ticket most of the time. They just won't do it. And Mm -hmm. I reduced a lot of the deliverables in my group program because most of the people in my group weren't using them. Because again, the group was for me. A lot of people are trying to heal themselves through their offers instead of serve their community. And I realized it was selfish of me to undercharge because I was allowing these women to go forward in their business with an erroneous belief that they can invest a tiny amount and get a big result. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I don't want to harm people, you know, like I'm so kind. I don't want to inadvertently <laughs> harm people. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who's listening and is like, okay, I want to like increase my prices. I want to charge more. Like I want to have more money and sales coming in, but I'm finding it hard right now because I have focused on a lot of like low, small offers and they're not selling at volume. So that makes me scared to then go to a signature offer that's way more expensive. Well, one, you don't have to stop selling the small thing. Like, you don't have to throw it away. Two, it ain't working. You broke. 
And I'm not saying this in a mean way. I'm saying like, this is the revelation I had. There's no point in me sticking with a strategy that's not working. I don't have any money. So why stay attached to something that isn't working? And for me, volume is scary. I'm a real deal introvert. Like I've had meetings today at a 9.30, at a 10.30, an 11.30, a 12.30, and this one at like 1.30. I am going to like go downstairs, <laughs> like read a book and take a nap. I can't people all the time. So I can't do the amount of volume that it takes to, I can never have a volume-based business. Like there's not enough anxiety medication. I just, mm-hmm. I can't do it. I would charge this person with two pieces of homework. One. What is the real transformation that you want to give people? Because, Tara, you know the truth. You know in this quiet success community that there are things that you can't teach. Mm -hmm. Because you can't get them past step one or two, let alone phase seven. Maybe you want to teach people how to crush you with ads, but you can't even get to that point because your folks can't earn enough money to even be able to afford ads. Like, What is it that you really wish you could? What is the complete solution you want to give people? The real one, not the one you're selling. That's one. And then two, who needs it? People try to create high ticket offers and then turn around and sell it to their same audience. If you got an audience that buys a $47 monthly membership, that's not a $10,000 customer. It's a different customer. So you're probably going to have to sell it in a different way to a different person. And you need to get really granular with who that person is. A framework that I created for that is my B do have. So like you have a retainer that's 5K a month that should be 10K a month. And if I were selling it, I would be thinking, okay, what does this person need, this organization need to be? It needs to be a for-profit, probably. It needs to be a service-based business, maybe. Maybe you teach coaches, so they need to be a coach. Maybe they need to be doing 100K in revenue. Maybe they need to be all organic sales. And maybe they need to be at least two years old. Okay. What do they need to do? What are the actions that that organization needs to do to qualify to work with you? Maybe that's mindset work with the CEO because you're going to want them to raise their prices or start running ads or something that's going to make them uncomfortable, right? What are the activities they need to do to qualify to work with you? And then what do they need to have? Those are assets. Have is tangible. Do is action. So what are the nouns? Maybe they need to have a VA and an executive assistant and an operations person to implement the marketing strategies you're going to give them. Maybe they need to have $2,000 a month ad budget. Maybe they need to already have solidified branding because I don't think you do branding. So maybe they need visual assets, a website on WordPress. Maybe they need to have web maintenance. Maybe they need to already have a pixel installed on their website. What do they need to have? Then you have a good picture. This is what I want to sell. And this is the only type of person or community or program where it makes sense to sell it to. That's how you start to create a high ticket offer. You don't just take your low ticket thing and just like quadruple the price on it. Because eventually you sell yourself out of your category. Think about how children eat. If you were like tasked with making lunch for a hundred kindergartners, what would you cook? Probably not filet mignon with a loaded mashed potato. Why? Yeah, it's meat and potatoes, but there's a line of meat and potatoes for (laughs) five-year-olds. There's a certain kind of meat and potatoes that works. Maybe you're going to have to make chicken nuggets and french fries for five-year-olds, right? Mm Because if you add too much to chicken nuggets and french fries, like if instead of chicken nuggets, you make a grilled chicken breast, 
And if instead of French fries, you make like loaded potato wedges, well, that's a little too far out for a five-year-old. Like now that's not kid food anymore. So you can't try to gourmet kid food. And that's what people do when they try to create these low ticket things. They take this low ticket thing and they keep raising the price. Well, eventually you move it out of the clientele who wants it. I think it's better Mm -hmm. to say, I have a high level expertise and this is the kind of person who wants it and sell that to that person. Instead of trying to make people who used to pay you 200 now suddenly want to pay you 20K. Like they probably don't have 20K. Like, I don't buy that way. I don't get in your $47 workshop and then buy your $500 course. And then, like, I don't do that. If I'm going to hire you, I'm going to hire you. My last coach was $20,000. The very first thing I ever bought from her was $20,000. Like, I did not download her lead magnet. I didn't go to her workshops and do none of that crap. So, like, the way that you funnel a low ticket thing and the way that you funnel a high ticket thing are very disparate. And if you're not selling high ticket right now, I think the smart thing is to get some research. Talk to your existing clients. Do they have needs that aren't being met? There's probably somebody in your program right now in the Quiet Success Society that you have coached into six figures. They are too advanced for this program and they would be willing to pay you more for one-on-one. And you could use that as a beta for the higher level thing that you want to sell. Mm-hmm. Like that person probably already exists. So I think sometimes we tell ourselves no one in my audience has money, but I just don't really buy that. Now that's not to say that you've got multimillionaires in your midst, but you probably have at least one or two people who would have paid you more money who are still willing to. That's what I did. I pulled my best performers out of my group and put them in one-on-one coaching. It's an option, you know? Yeah. I think, too, people shouldn't be afraid to hire help, like close a sale and hire somebody. I think it's interesting how much people try to do on their own. If you don't have a skill set, you're not going to just grow it overnight. Like I didn't learn how to sell on my own. I got trained in corporate programs. I've read over 100 books and I've spent over $50,000 in coaching and consulting to get better at sales. I'm a sales coach. If I'm spending 50K a year on sales, how do people who have no sales acumen think that they're going to make this work with zero investment? So I think it's important, too, to say, look, the very next time I close a sale, I'm going to get help in sales and marketing because that's the only way that I'm going to stay in business. And I have no acumen in that area myself. It's okay to admit you have no acumen. I have no business acumen when I started. I had no marketing acumen. I still have no tech systems operations acumen. I pay $3,000 a month for someone to run the operations in my business. I have no legal acumen. I have a CFO. Like I think there's a mindset issue wherein we think we have to know all the things and we think it makes us weak to admit that we are ignorant. I'm going to tell you publicly in front of your entire audience, I am incredibly ignorant and naive. Oh my God, like childlike innocence. I'm always shocked when people are unethical or when people lie or when people misrepresent themselves. I'm, I was very sheltered as a child. I'm very green as an adult. I just haven't had a lot of life experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. I, I feel the same way. Right, but I'm still going to do $550,000 this year. Like, don't let being mm-hmm. naive stop you. Just hire people who are savvy. I'm not 
savvy. Like I hire savvy people and I put them on my team. I generate the money so I can pay for the help. That's what money is for. Money is a tool. It helps you get the things you want to have. That's it. And the sooner you can recognize that, you can train your brain away from, I have to do it all myself. I have to do it alone. I have to do it for cheap. I have to DIY. This is going to build resilience. I don't know about you, but I've had enough trauma for like five lifetimes. I really don't want to be more resilient. Actually, I have enough anxiety and panic attacks. I'm good on that. Like I actually have mm-hmm. zero interest and I've only had one panic attack in the last five years. And it is because I stay away from my triggers. And one of my triggers is feeling overwhelmed. If there's too much work to do and I can't afford help, I spiral. So for me, making the money and hiring the help is the key. And I think women are just taught to like, just keep pushing through, push through, push through, push through, do it yourself. Keep trying, keep trying. And like, it's so unfair. People left six-figure jobs. I've never had a six-figure job. The highest salary I've ever had was $51,000. My mortgage is $900 a month. So I can make 5K a month and be okay. Y'all don't have that luxury. I guarantee you, your listeners live in a higher cost of living area than I do. Very few people live somewhere cheaper than Alabama. I think it's the second lowest cost of living state in the country. It's also the second poorest. So like, unless you live in Alabama or Mississippi, your cost of living is higher than mine. You cannot pay yourself peanuts. You're the leader. You're the boss. You're the owner. You take on all the risk. You deserve to be well compensated. And if that ain't your reality right now, you got to do something else. And that doesn't mean you failed. You didn't fail because you hired a coach. You didn't fail because you had a sales call and nobody purchased. I had three sales calls on Monday. One of them bought, one of them said yes and has been ducking and dodging me ever since. And one of them said follow back on Friday. And I am a quote unquote master sales coach. Rejection happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. You're not immune to it. It doesn't go away. And I'm being this transparent with your people so they know, because I think people think you get to a certain level and you have the Midas touch and like everything that you try works. Mm -hmm. I fail a lot. The difference is I have the money to be able to keep going. Most of us just run out of money. We have to go get a job that we don't like and regroup for two years and start over. And if I can keep even one person from having to file bankruptcy or quit their business against their will or, or fight with their husband because they're working 80 hour weeks and they still can't pay themselves. If I can just get one woman off the precipice of small business poverty, i.e. 100K a year. Because when I was making 100K a year, I was very poor in this business because I was only paying myself like 30 of that. If I can get one person off that precipice, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh. I, I could talk to you forever because this is just, yeah, I feel it's like- It's my I jam. I'm like, I'm a talker. I would apologize, but you already knew that. I I feel like I need to have a one-on-one with you. Like everything you're saying, I'm just like sitting here like, wow, like you're opening up a lot of stuff for me right now. That's so good though. Because you already, here's the thing, you already have beautiful branding. You already have a lovely web. Like you have so much going for yourself that people don't have. There are people making 10 million a year that don't have what you have. Like all they have Mm -hmm. is audacity. That's it. That's what most women lack. We just lack audacity. We've just been told. And it's not our fault. Like patriarchy sucks. And it tells us that we're not good enough. We're not worthy. And we've heard it at every job. We've heard it in most of our relationships. 
I mean, I've had friend breakups that almost crushed me, you know, like I've literally had people stop being my friend because I was quote unquote too busy. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm busy trying to like fix my life. Like I'm poor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what do you want me to do? I don't have any money. I work three jobs. And like, I don't ever want to go back to that. And if you have your own business, you don't have to be middle class. For once, it's a choice. It's not a choice in corporate. When you go interview at a job, they already have an idea of how much they're going to pay you. It is completely outside of your purview. You do not get to choose. Yeah, you can negotiate, but you're not going to negotiate a 50K salary to 150K. You're just not. If you're an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur, for once, you are in control of your socioeconomic future. And women earn less on average than men in business, $367,000 a year. Now, I don't know about you, Tara, but I could do a lot with $367,000. It pisses me off that if I had a penis, I would be making $367,000 more a month. Penises aren't even attractive. (laughs) They don't even look good. There's literally no upside. They're on the outside of their body, for Christ's sake. Like, that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. We want that. We don't want that. We <laughs> want that. But, like, we don't think about all the opportunities we miss because of our money beliefs. Believing that money is bad. Believing it's going to corrupt us. Believing that rich people are evil. Believing that we're turning our back on our community. I truly believed when I raised my prices that I was going to lose all of my clients. I had an excellent client. She was an attorney. She was a single mom. And I was charging $1,000 a month or $2,500 paying full for three months of coaching. And she couldn't pay $1,000 a month. She needed a payment plan of like $400 every two weeks because of how her payroll ran. And I, I agreed. And she was one of my best clients. And now she's one of my best friends. And I had this haunting of, Natalie, if you go up on your prices, you'll never have a client like that again. This person who you love, you would have alienated. You never would have gotten this person with higher prices. And that kept me chained to a price for a year. And then one day I called her and I asked her, would you have paid me more money? And she said, not at the time, but I would have saved up for it. I had already decided I was going to work with you. I had already chosen you to be my coach. So if I couldn't make the money work at the time, I would have just saved up. But I was going to be your client. I hadn't made up my mind. And that was very profound. I spent a year thinking about how I wouldn't have had her as a client had I charged more money completely erroneously. It was never true. It was never true. She was willing to rise to the level of my my expectation and and. When I raised my prices, all of my clients did the same because it all it gave them permission to get uncomfortable and charge more. I had a client that made $450 the month before we started working together. She had a one-time consultation. It was 90 minutes and it was 450 bucks. And the month before we worked together, she sold one of them. Our first month together, we created a $4,500 group VIP day for her. She sold two. So the very next month she sold, she made $9,000. The month after that, she made $19,000. This year, she will do 300 k Imagine if I wouldn't have taken her because I was afraid to charge her enough money. The lifetime mm-hmm. value of working with me is millions of dollars. It is for you too. 
So why are we afraid to charge people a couple few thousand extra dollars if we know the lifetime value is millions? If we know the three-year value is thousands? We know the value. And so like, maybe that's some good homework for people to do. Quantify the three-year value of working with you and anchor to that number. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, like I think we just downplay our own gifts and it's it's bad because we under earn and then we can't do the thing in the world. I was terrified to raise my prices, but my business has to live on. If unapologetic wealth fails, someone who I was supposed to serve, business will be ruined. They will fall and pray with a bro marketer. They will fall victim to a scammer. Something bad is going to happen if unapologetic wealth doesn't continue to exist. And it only exists with money. That's the only Mm -hmm. thing that keeps this business going. That's the gasoline in the engine of your business. It's money. And so even if it makes me uncomfortable, I charge what I need to charge to do a good job. I charge what I need to charge to not burn out and be working at midnight because we've all done that before. Right. We've Mm -hmm. all packed so much crap into our offer that we literally couldn't deliver it in the time period that we said we were going to deliver it. And then we feel like a piece of crap because we didn't deliver it on. And then we have to refund them part of it. You know how bad it feels to refund people money when they didn't even pay you enough to begin with? That's got to be the worst (laughs) feeling in business ever. And I have had to do it. So hopefully people learn like it doesn't have to be this way. You can heal your relationship with money. It's literally just money. The mint prints it every day. And when people want to work with you, they will make the adjustment needed to pay for your program. You can also get like clever and just start offering like third party funding. You know, like you could remove yourself from having to be the bank altogether. That does denote people having to have good credit, but it's an option, especially Mm -hmm. if you are moving. Like when I moved my prices up, I basically doubled them and there were people who went from paying in full to getting on payment plans, but I was okay with that. I would rather have someone on a payment plan at 2000 a month than to get a pay in full of 5000 for six months. Like I would rather get the payment plan and get more money total from like client lifetime value. Mm-hmm. And before we leave, I think too, when your price is too low, people are skeptical like really, really skeptical. And I don't think we talk about that enough. Like you have on earphones. If they had been like $2, would you have bought them? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Like if you went in five below, I don't even shop in five below, but if you were in Target and Target had AirPod Pros and they were $2.99 and then they had the wired ones that was like $49 and then they had like this knockoff brand you'd never heard of and they were $2.00 most of us would not buy the $2 ones. We would be worried they damage our phone. We would be worried mm-hmm. they would, like we wouldn't even trust it. So it's interesting that part of our brain is telling us I need to be cheap to get business when the other part of our brain that's the buyer doesn't even like cheap stuff. Like we don't buy the least expensive thing. So why are we trying to be less expensive than our competitors? I loved what you said about we have this fear around alienating our customers and clients. I think that's a big one for me is like, I feel like I have to be affordable and accessible. And like, I put all this pressure on myself when somebody's paying me a, what I view as a lot of money. But yeah, alienating. That was a, I loved how, 
how you use yeah, that word. But that's what we think. But it's not true. Like, that's mm-hmm. not actually what happens. And if it does happen, you've got the wrong clients because they are only price focused and not value focused. If your program gets people a good result, that is all that should matter. Mm-hmm. You trying to acquiesce to a budget. Furthermore, affordable means nothing. I use this body scrub. It's $48. They sell it at Ulta and it's by this company called O'Shea, Osea. It's O-S-E-A. It's 48 bucks. That is affordable for me. It is affordable for me to spend $48 every two weeks on body scrub. I can do it comfortably. I'm happy doing it. I do it every two weeks. I'm happy about it. My mom would cry herself to sleep at night if she had (laughs) to spend like 40. Like for her, body scrub should cost $2. Like that's a crazy amount of money. But I bet you Beyonce has gold flake Mm -hmm. body scrub. I bet you she has a shower that scrubs your whole body with two, three shower heads. I bet you Beyonce has a body oil and a, and a body masseuse and a chair. I bet you she would spend 10K a year, okay? Her legs are insured. I'm sure she spends money on body scrub. So affordable actually has no merit because what is affordable to me and what is affordable to you doesn't matter. People also don't know how much they would pay for things. So asking people, what would you pay for this? is kind of futile. Mm-hmm. Before I hired my last coach, I would have told you I would not pay $20,000 for coaching. I had no idea what the coaching cost when I got on the phone with her. Full disclosure. I booked a call. I DM'd her and was like, hey, I think you should be my coach. And she was like, I think so too. Let's get on a call. Got on a call the next day. She talked to me about where she could see some improvements in my business. At the time, I didn't have a group program. I had nothing scalable. It was all one-on-one. It was too cheap. And um, then she told me that normally her price is 30000 but that because I already knew how to sell and that she wouldn't have to teach me how to sell, it was 20000 for six months. And I was still paying off another program and I had a credit card with a $25,000 limit on it. And I was like, this is going to tank my personal credit score. Like I can't put twenty k. And I was like, Talk to me about your third party funding. And she's like, well, it's this and that. And I hemmed it hard. And I was like, could I put 10,000 down now and then put like 10,000 down in like 60 days? And she was like, no, you can pay me 10K now and 10K in 30 days. I was like, let's do it. So I was like, can you hold for a minute? And I went downstairs and I got my Navy Federal emergency credit card that had a $0 balance out of my car. I called Navy Federal to unlock it because it had been that long since I used it. And I paid her a $10,000 deposit over the phone. And I've gone on to make maybe 150, 200K from that investment. I was terrified. My Mm -hmm. business hadn't even done 10,000 that month. Things were really slow. I was very skeptical, but I invested anyway. And I'm not telling you to go make a $20,000 investment if you have no way on earth of paying it back. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying value is what moves people to make purchases, not just the price. If she had only talked about the price, I would have said no. Because $20,000 is a lot of money. That is a hard number to grasp for a person like me. But I paid it because I felt like it was going to move my business forward. And people who really want to move their business forward will come up with the money. People who don't come up with the money might not be qualified. So at this point now, I charge too much money for people who have no traction. So if you have no traction, no sales, no clients, you can't pay me. I've literally priced myself out of a beginner market. Does that make sense? So like people who don't have any momentum can't afford my price anymore. So my price is high on purpose. I don't want to inadvertently get someone in my net that cannot get a result. 
Like they can't do the work to get a result for themselves. And like your price should be screening people out. That's a really good point. Cause I, I think sometimes we're like, oh, I just, I need more money. So I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> and But every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else, mm-hmm. right? Like when you say yes to a retainer client at 5K, you're saying no to other retainer clients who might've paid you more. You're also saying no to maybe a live launch of your group because you don't have the time because you're writing. I write copy for people. That is a job. Mm-hmm. That is super intensive. There's only so many of those you can do. You can probably only do like two. So you're capping your income at a certain amount whenever you sell people into a retainer. I only have X number of retainer clients because it's so intensive. And what I want is for people who have enough momentum going to where they can achieve success. And if I didn't charge enough for this retainer, I would get people who couldn't or wouldn't do the work through no fault of their own. Like, it's almost like a sieve. Like, you need to be really careful about who you let sift through your program. And pricing is a signal. If you don't price high enough, you get beginners who think, this is a beginner level program. This is for me. And like, if it is a beginner program, great. But what if it's not? And a lot of us are super intelligent and we're selling programs that are pretty advanced, but we're selling them at beginner prices. We're attracting beginners. We're too nice to kick them out. So they don't get a result. We can't raise the price because how do you raise prices on beginners? And then you just get on this hamster wheel. And this is how people get stuck at $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month. And they can't ever seem to grow past that. My goal is to grow 30% a year. And I can't do that with a stagnant client base. I have to take on people who get big results because that's how I can justify making more money. I, oh my gosh, this episode is going to be so good. I'm like, I know we're like over time and I'm like, I don't want to keep you, but I could talk to you forever. It's going to be great. So I'd love for you to share where everyone can connect with you and find you. And I definitely want you to talk about your podcast because I think that'll be Really awesome for a lot of people. I'll give listening. the link. It's gonna be great. I live on Facebook. Facebook is my home. SpongeBob lives in a pineapple under the sea. Natalie lives on Facebook, so that is my happy place. Um, we'll drop that link. But I'm the only Natalie Bullen you will find if you're looking for my handle. It's Facebook.com/slash Lady Lyricist zero six. Yes, I write poetry. No, I'm not gonna write it for you. I'm also on IG and threads and clubhouse my handle is at unapologetic wealth my podcast is such a blessing i have a private podcast called birthright it is paid it is great it is so encouraging and uplifting it's one year of five to seven minute episodes monday through friday so in total it's 260 episodes yes they are all me they're all solo episodes And they're great because they're really quick, actionable, finite. They have titles and topics that are relevant around pricing, mindset, wealth. We did a whole series on wealth. I used to be a financial advisor. So, I mean, I got really good explanations of REITs and trusts and accredited investor. If you want to make more money in your business, it is excellent. It's really pocket coaching. It has transcended podcast status at this point for sure. And you can get it on my website. My website's unapologeticwealth.com. It's the best thing I've ever put out. Don't let the price point fool you. It is worth 10 times what I charge for it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Every, we'll have all the links in the show notes. Definitely go check that out. I think when, when you mentioned Clubhouse a couple of times, I'm like, I wonder if that's where I initially first came across you. I love Clubhouse. I, I was <laughs> so powerful speaking over there. I hate that they ruined it. They should have sold it to Facebook when they had an opportunity. Did they have an opportunity? That's I didn't know that. Yep. They were offered to sell it to Facebook and they didn't. And it is fizzled. And I don't even think they do live rooms anymore. I think it's all, it's weird over there now. It's not the same. Yeah, I remember when it first came out, I was like on there all the time. So I'm wondering, that may be where I first came across you. And then I followed you on Facebook. But yeah, I definitely encourage everyone also to connect with you on Facebook. Because I shared at the beginning, like everything you post on Facebook is so valuable and so insightful. So definitely, definitely connect with Natalie. I don't on even there. think it's all that great. I think it's that I'm consistent. Today is day 1078 of consecutive Facebook posts. Wow, that is that is amazing consistency. Like, yeah, I don't quit. And I've gotten so much money that way. You know, I, I'll tell people this, it's the truth. You're supposed to progress over time. But most people live the same year over and over again because they start and they stop and they start and they stop and they start and they stop. Like, what would happen if you stopped stopping? Like, if you just kept at it, even if you felt like you sucked? Like, even if you're a gifted child and you're used to things coming really easily to you and this doesn't come easy to you, what would happen if you just did it anyway? Like, what would happen if you spent two months being really bad at content creation? Eventually, you would turn a corner and get better. Right. But you'll never mm-hmm. get better if you don't keep going. And that's what people do. They post once they don't get good result. And then six months passes and then they atrophy. Like the goal is to be able to keep getting momentum. So, you know, people are mm-hmm. impressed with my content now. But three years ago, it really wasn't remarkable, honestly. Yeah, it's you, you've done an amazing job. I didn't realize that you were like that consistent with it. But yeah, I always yep. see your posts every single in day. My, in Rain my feed. And I I mean, I had surgery. I was on Percocet. I post every single day. Like there's tools and admin stuff now. Like there's literally like tools you can like, you don't even have to live post anymore. I've been posting on Facebook since before automations. Mm-hmm. But now there's no excuse. And like, I'm probably not in the minority here saying that I'm an overthinker. Like I have lots of thoughts. I think I have more thoughts than the average person. If you have 10,000 thoughts a day, you're not going to convince me that one of them wasn't good enough for the internet. Like the inner critical voice that people have needs to die. And if you need help with that, you should buy uh, Positive Intelligence. It is a really good mindfulness program. I, I would say it was my best personal development investment in the year 2022. It's called Positive Intelligence. If you have negative self-talk, if you are highly critical or judgmental of yourself, if you don't believe you're good enough or fast enough or pretty enough or smart enough to be running this business, you absolutely need to get in that program. Because as long as you have a high level of self-doubt and self-criticism, it's going to be very difficult for you to get out and sell yourself. Very difficult. What was that called? Because I'm, I'm going to check that yeah. out. <laughs> Positive Intelligence. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I know I'm the kind of person like with social media, especially I will go to write a comment and then I'll be like, Oh, nobody cares what I have to say. And I'll delete it. (laughs) Well, like, here's the thing. We don't really know that. Like train, uh, you know, like train yourself through this moment. 
when you have a, a critical thought that comes in, so you had a thought, you thought it was valuable, and then you let the weight of strangers tell you it wasn't valuable. What is that based on? Has anyone actually ever commented on Facebook and said this comment had no value? No, it's definitely just just for coming from invisible people that don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> and so like I would challenge you for a week to suspend your belief and only move based on data. So until someone tells you that your content is worthless, don't believe that anymore. And if someone gives you direct feedback that this post was absolutely worthless, then come to me. It's never going to happen. I post seven to 10 times a day, 365 times a year. It's over 3,000 posts. You know what I've never gotten? This post had no value. That's actually never happened. None of the negative consequences that my brain says are going to happen have ever happened. Like, they're all anxiety driven. It's important for you to be able to recognize when anxiety is telling you things that aren't true. And so you can move just based on fact. Like you have to make yourself a scientist. A scientist wouldn't quit an experiment because of what they believed. They would only do it based on data, right? So like what kind of data do you have that can support something else? You have testimonials, you have existing clients, you have so much data that what you believe is valuable. So use that to bolster your confidence until you build the habit. Now I'm in such a muscle memory habit, I can't not post on Facebook. But you've got to have enough, mm -hmm. you got to get through the rough patch to get through the habit first. So like the first 21 days, like unless you have data to support that. So when you have that negative thought, no one cares about this, challenge yourself. What data do I have to support that belief? Mm -hmm. And if you can't find any, post it. I love that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know a lot of us, especially in my one program for introverts, we all struggle with that inner voice or inner critic a lot, when, especially with social media. So that's a really good point. I'm definitely going to try to engage more on your posts because I see yep. them all the time and they're always like, get me thinking and are like... They're badass. There's millions of dollars worth of value on my Facebook page. No lie. Mm -hmm. It is the best page on the internet. There's no bullying allowed. You know, it's very inclusive. It's a very safe space. There's all races. There's all gender identities are welcome. All faiths are welcome. All types of business are welcome. And I am so generous. I give and I give and I give and I give because I really feel like that's how you get ahead. And, you know, this is my community give back. This is why my stuff is not cheap. If you cannot afford my coaching, just use my Facebook page. Anybody can grow a six-figure service-based business with the free information on my Facebook page. Seriously. Mm -hmm. So like I have no guilt around not having a cheap program anymore. I don't need a cheap program. I have a free program. It's called my Facebook page. Read my Facebook page. You'll learn how to do sales calls, how to screen people, how to prospect, how to do inbound, outbound. Like there's thousands of pieces of content that are useful. Yeah, your Facebook page is absolutely incredible. So everyone should definitely go check that out. And I've ta I feel like I've taken up so much of your time and I apologize, but That's this has so been fun. so good. Why are you apologizing for something I enjoy doing? Well, I'm Canadian, so I apologize oh, for a lot of things. that explains it. Okay. Um, no, that says I have Canadian clients. I get it. That's a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not a- That's like, not an American thing. Americans are like a little pushier. 
Trust me. <laughs> if I had like a tight, hard stop, I would have said something 20 minutes ago. All right. Well, thank you so much. Cause yeah, I know this episode is going to be so, so good. I just, I'm so excited that you were a guest on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at theterrorread.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.